Okay, let's get started, everybody. Today is April 15th. Welcome to the Wikibon Peer Insight Storage Research Meeting. Uh, the topic today is VMware, the storage imperative. And it is our pleasure to have Michael Crater joining us. Uh, Michael, who you just heard, is uh, the head of Windows Consolidation at uh, UK-based BT, which, as you all know, is one of the world's largest telecommunications firms. And about two years ago, BT was out of space and at capacity for power. And it embarked on an ambitious project to consolidate many thousands of servers at a substantial amount of storage capacity. And the results were uh, fairly astounding and quite impressive. Uh, recently, in fact, BT was recognized at the European Green IT Summit and took home about uh, three-fifths, I guess, of the awards that were granted. So this is a testament not only to the unbelievable financial performance of this project, but BT's corporate and social responsibility. Um, the format, as most of you know, or many of you know, at the appearance I meeting is as follows. I, Dave Vellante, will be the moderator, and Michael Crater will present his overview of the project and share his perspectives. Uh, this is an open forum where anybody is welcome to participate and ask questions and, and have a voice. Uh, Michael's going to make some introductory remarks and take us through the project, and then we'll, we'll open it up to some questions that, that I have and you may have as well. At the end of the meeting, I'll do a brief summary, which will be posted on Wikibon uh, within a couple of hours, and then we'll follow that summary up with other additional analyses that are focused on the user implications. So this meeting will last one hour and uh, hopefully is being recorded. So with that, I would like to welcome again Michael Crater. And uh, Michael, I wonder if you could just start by telling us a little bit about your role at BT and what this consolidation project was all about. Yes, Sammy, uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, so it's the uh, UK here. It's uh, 5 o'clock in the evening, so uh, wherever you are in the world, welcome anyway. Um, my name is Michael Crater. I head up uh, BT's Windows Consolidation Program, and um, it's based, uh, based solely in the UK. Uh, we're looking at our data centers in the UK. Although BT is a global player, uh, we haven't looked to consolidate servers that are based outside of the UK at present. And my role uh, has been quite varied in BT. I've, I've worked for BT staggeringly for 30 years. Um, I left school uh, as a teenager and joined BT as an, as an apprentice. Um, and started my computing career in uh, 1982. And for those of you that are old enough on the call, remember uh, CPM. Uh, that's what I uh, trained in originally, moving into uh, mainstream data center operations in 1987. And um, really, uh, if you cut me, I believe that CNS. That's my, my real skill. Um, and then, of course, with uh, the demise of AxiMS, um, I badly uh, uh, moved on to uh, Windows NT uh, 351 originally, and of course NT4 in 2000, 2003, 2007. Um, and uh, I run a, a very large team of uh, people. We look after a staggering uh, 14,000 physical servers around the uh, around the globe for the Windows base, and uh, 15,000 Unix servers. So we've got 29,000 mid-range servers in our estate. And as, the, uh, as we were discussing uh, at the beginning of the call, um, one of our biggest problems was uh, physical space. And um, BT, um, obviously based in the UK, as I explained, but the land value for uh, buildings inside the UK uh, is astronomic. So building new data centers, let me give you some idea, uh, it's got an 800 rack, 800 two kilowatt rack um, data centers down on the ground, would cost between about 110 and 120 million dollars, of which 80 million dollars would be uh, land value. 
So uh, just to give you some idea, BT does not want to go out and build new data centres. What we decided to do was really look at our legacy estate that was spread across a number of sites, uh, eight to be exact, uh, in the UK. And uh, we tried to find a way of, um, of, um, of minimising um, data centre usage by uh, bringing in uh, virtualization techniques. Um, originally, I, I looked at um, uh, a number of uh, techniques. One of them was uh, using uh, Microsoft Virtual Server. And uh, Microsoft Virtual Server was deployed in the back end of 2004 in a testing development environment um, where we actually learned to virtualize systems. It was only when the VMware version um, or ESX version 2 came out that uh, we changed from Microsoft Virtual Server to ESX version 2, mainly because of the uh, facilities that it offered, preferably um, and primarily, of course, uh, uh, VMotion. So that gives you some sort of some kind of background of where we were. Um, Data center space, cooling and electric is our biggest problem. Um, well that was our, our primary objective. Our second objective was really to uh, increase uh, virtualization, um, sorry, sorry again, to increase um, the utilization of our physical estate. Uh, and no particular state secret, but all BT's Windows servers on average were running at just 1.18% utilized. So the 82% of its uh, computing capacity was doing nothing, just idle. And the third thing, again, not a, not a particular state secret, a capacity on demand model, making BT upwards of six weeks deploy one physical server. Let's just have a quick look here at some of the things we looked at. Um, power. We spoke about power just before. Uh, BT uh, buys this electric in bulk. Just to put it into perspective, uh, BT as a company use 0.7 of 1% of all the electric generated in the UK. Quite a staggering amount of electricity. Um, we've got something like 997 telephone exchanges and about 2,000 office buildings in the UK. So we use a huge quantity of electric. Um, electric is very, very uh, precious in the UK. Uh, we, we pay nine pence, which is about 18 UK, uh, US cents for, for a unit of electricity. The BT, um, that's a domestic rate, the BT buys it at six and a half pence uh, um, a, a unit rate, which is about 13 cents because we buy so much of it. Not only was our capacity uh, very low in terms of utilisation, but our, um, our storage was very poorly utilised. Um, if you consider today, if you go out and buy a server, um, the smallest disks you can put in the server are really 73 gigabyte disks. If you're just running a, a web browsing server on there, uh, you've got something like an operating system and a paging swap file, a little bit of IIS, you probably only use 10 or 15 gigs of that storage, but you've got about 60 odd gigs lying around doing absolutely nothing. Um, our service levels in terms of data protection and backups, um, staggering our backups in the old way when we had the SCSI attached devices and loads of little tape drives lying around, it's taking us about 96 hours to backup systems. It's four days. It's just, just stupidness. Um, and every one of our servers had their own maintenance contract, um, which was just a ludicrous situation to be in. Um, and uh, very, very poor customer experience. Uh, activation times are literally missed in weeks so before you enter. So it's a state secret again to get six weeks to get a server deployed into, uh, into a data center. So when I looked at the overall project, uh, as I said before, we, had, uh, we have got 14,000 physical servers. Um, and I looked to consolidate 3,100 of these servers, um, which is around about around about 20 percent, 22 percent of our server estate. And these were infrastructure-based servers that are uh, in, our, in our telephone exchange data centers, etc. 
to try and get a consolidation ratio of uh, 15 to 1. So 15 physical servers consolidated onto just one physical server. Uh, move towards and allocate on demand infrastructure. The idea was there that instead of waiting six weeks to get a server deployed, we could deploy these things in literally hours. In fact, to be honest with you, we can actually deploy virtual servers now in just one hour. Okay, so um, where we were before, we had uh, 3,103 yeah. physical servers, and they've been replaced with uh, 134 um, um, servers uh, running VMware. We use um, blades. I use HP blades. They're uh, a mixture of BL45s and uh, the new C-class blades. Um, I've condensed 700 racks of um, utilized space uh, across eight sites into just 40 racks at five sites. Um, I've shut down 2.1 megawatts of electricity. That's quite staggering. And I've replaced it with uh, 240 kilowatts. Uh, so that's for the new equipment. Where we had 9,309 network ports, we've now only got 840 ports. And our backups that were taking 96 hours, we're now backing up in 30 minutes. We use disk-to-disk uh, -disk technology, which will come on later. Uh, our storage utilization was uh, probably below 25%. It's now above 70%. And a uh, six-week customer lead time uh, for a brand-new server is now activated within, well, we say one working day. Um, the honest truth is we can actually knock these things out a bit quicker, but we say one working day. So our business benefits uh, really covered... Um, all the uh, BT senior management and uh, certain, sorry, cr uh, certain criteria and milestones for me to achieve, we, we, we beat and exceeded that. Our electricity savings alone, without going into too many commercials, are uh, $2.25 million, sorry, dollars and pounds, yeah, dollars in electricity. Uh, server maintenance has been reduced by over 90%. Of course, we're giving back 660-odd racks for new projects. Our data is now backed up. Um, and we've now got uh, a true capacity on demand model. But I suppose above all, really, if, if I take into account the uh, new infrastructure that I had to put on the ground, which consists of 134 blades and uh, five sands and all the networking, fiber, um, switching, etc., uh, we've got a return on investment in just eight months. Looking at some of the um, storage vendors, uh, the one that I want to pick out is we've, we've deployed on, uh, on NetApp. Um, we uh, originally deployed on EMC, and we've used HP uh, uh, XP arrays as well. We're now, uh, we are now solely a NetApp shop for our virtual environments. Uh, main reasons for that, there's, uh, there's four reasons for that. One is that uh, I can thin provision all the storage. Um, each one of my um, VMs has got its own LUM, which is allocated one LUM, one VM, and then it's thinly provided. We've got unified storage, so we can have uh, fiber channel and IP storage, uh, along as, as well as uh, SIFs and um, NFS all coming out of one box. Um, backups, we're using uh, instant snapshots for, for backups. And of course, not only can we back this stuff up in seconds, we can actually restore it in seconds as well. And um, I use a centralized managed service so that I can um, I can have just six people based in one central location looking after all my storage around the uh, around the globe. Um, I'm not sure if everyone's got access to the pictures um, that's on the call. Yeah, so, uh, if, I, if, I, if I may, Michael, so on the uh, Wikibon homepage, if you look at the upcoming events, you'll see a teleconference, VMware, the storage imperative, and below that, it says VMware, the storage imperative bulletin board. And if you click on that, you will see a posting that uh, was put up there. It says a picture uh, says a thousand words. And if you click on that, you'll see some very interesting pictures, which I think, Michael, you're going to describe now. Absolutely. So uh, I'll give you a couple of seconds to open those because they're uh, they're quite big images. 
Uh, and effectively, what I did was uh, I've got I've got literally hundreds and hundreds of pictures of uh, servers being dismantled and uh, being shipped away and carted away. So the very first set of pictures that says uh, is a, a group of four pictures, and if you look at the top left hand, you'll see all the discs being recovered from the servers. Um, I have two disposable contracts. One is for discs, and one is for physical hardware. Uh, the discs go to a disc crushing company, uh, and they're crushed separately because obviously that's where the data is held. Um, if you look um, to the top right, um, you'll be able to see a, a segment of servers that we've recovered from, um, from data centers, obviously all diskless. And at the bottom left, you'll be able to see another cross-section of servers. Uh, it's another part of the room where they've, uh, we're all piled up and ready to be taken away. And in the bottom right, you'll be able to see the lorries that were taking away the, uh, the old hardware. It's interesting to note that that lorry is a 25-ton lorry, and we had approximately three lorry loads taken from each of our data centers. That's 75 tons of old rubbish taken away. Um, the discs, as I said, are crushed separately, and the, um, the servers are recycled, um, so we don't landfill. If you go on to the second picture, um, you should be see another picture that says all replaced with. Um, and if you look uh, at that set of pictures, it's a, a photo of one of our data centers. It's just part of one of the VM farms within the data center. I couldn't get the whole, uh, the whole VMware farm um, logged in there, unfortunately. Um, but effectively, on the left-hand side, you've got uh, primary storage, and then the second cabinet is secondary storage. So we back up primary to primary, and then primary to secondary. And there's a tertiary copy that's held um, off-site at a, a site around about three or 400 miles away. And we effectively, we do a, a block-based copy in the middle of the night between 2 o'clock in the morning and 5 o'clock in the morning. And then moving along to the uh, third and fourth um, pictures, you've got um, all the blades. They're uh, HPC-class blades. And on the right-hand side, you've got your, um, your fiber channel switching, and you've got your management servers, which held um, VMware, uh, Virtual Center, SQL Database, and, um, of course, uh, a product we use to virtualize systems called PlateSpin. And all what you can see there, um, there's enough virtual capacity there for 320 VMs. Um, if you'd have done that as a physical deployment, that would have been 80 racks worth. So where you've now just got five racks, you, you would have used 80 racks. Um, interestingly, of course, you would have used uh, around about 160 kilowatts of electricity as well just to power it all up, and that little lot there is just uh, just generating about 8 kilowatts. Okay, so that's uh, a very, very brief and uh, quick run-through of, uh, of what BT's done in its infrastructure. Um, I, I don't know what your process now is. Do you, do you want to open up the, uh, the call for any questions? Yeah, so if I may maybe start with a few. First of all, I want to mention that uh, some of the pictures in that sequence were not posted, uh, specifically the, the what it looks like now, which, as I recall, was sort of four cabinets in an empty data center. Um, so that was actually quite striking, and, and we'll try to get that one up as well. Um, but maybe you guys I can start. So you uh, obviously synchronized the storage and server virtualization together, and I know and it's, it's speaking uh, to a lot of the Wikibon users, a, a lot of times customers will approach the VMware first and then not do the storage and sequence. Can you talk about why you, you chose to synchronize those and, and what the benefits are and maybe you know, some thoughts around that? Yes, certainly. So the reason that we, um, or that I, if you like, really um, put, the, put the two things together, um, first of all, every single one of our servers was, uh, was a standalone server and they had their own internal drives for, for booting off of, and then they had their own data drives, uh, whether they were internal or external SCSI-attached storage. 
So we had literally racks and racks and racks of storage allocated with servers. And as I said to you before, most of it was um, underutilized. Secondly, the way VMware works, um, you, you need to have all your um, all your central files really in one central location, and the easiest way of doing that is is, is on to a SAN. So there was um, two methods really in my madness. One was to um, get rid of all the underutilized disks and put it onto a, a common SAN infrastructure. Um, and when we consolidated servers, you had the opportunity to do both at the same time. So not only did you move away from inefficient uh, locally attached storage. Uh, and underutilized um, inefficient locally attached storage, but you could move to a centralized SAN. The, the, the real benefit that we got, which we didn't realize on the outside, which I suppose I should have done in hindsight, hindsight's a very very clever thing, but the, the one thing that we really gained was the, was the backup window back. So because it was all on a central SAN and it was all connected to the same uh, backbone fiber and it's all connected together, um, backups were extremely easy to do, and of course restorations are extremely easy to do. So there was three really main benefits for doing that. Okay, great. And then as you started to, to take servers out, you obviously saw power savings. I think you had mentioned at one point that on average you saved about 700 watts of power for every server that you shut off. Is that an accurate? Yes. Um, so it would be fair to say that with BT, uh, again, I'm not embarrassed by this, but we had a lot of very old infrastructure. We had a huge quantity of ProLine 1850s and uh, 2100 type machines. We had some Alpha machines as well. So we also had a lot of um, um, pizza-sized boxes, such as DL360s, uh, which don't generate as uh, much electricity or don't consume as much electricity. But on average, when we averaged up all the servers that we took out, it works out to around about 700 watts per server. Now, that was just the electric to power the servers up. We have never calculated the savings on the uh, on the air conditioning systems or the cooling systems. So there's even more money to be saved, but we've just never bothered to calculate it because it's not something I can really measure. Interesting. So, I mean, our research shows that about half of the, 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 the power and cooling costs in a data center are, are sort of non-IT equipment, you know, uh, HVAC and power distribution, et cetera. But... And so we always advise people to, to take out IT and you'll directly affect all the, all the power and cooling so you know it's more than just what you've saved on servers. Sure. Um, and, and then this adds up to you know, a couple million bucks a year in, in energy savings? Uh, well, just, just in powering everything up was $2.25 million US just to power it all up. And we've now replaced that with um, the new systems, which cost us $110,000. So I suppose on on actual gain, it's about $2.4 million just in electric. this mean you're going to lower your service rates, Michael? What it means is is that um, we are able to deploy new services with our existing infrastructure. So when we talk about service rates, what we have actually done is we, we have a lower price. So if, you, if you're a customer on a virtual machine, um, the way we, we, we give that money back to our customers is instead of charging them X amount of dollars for, for use of the machine per month, we can charge them a much smaller Y dollar. So we do pass those savings on. Can you give us a sense of the magnitude of those savings? I'm sorry? Can, can you quantify those savings a little bit? Um, I can't give them to you in, in dollars for commercial reasons, but I'll tell you that uh, they're at least one-third less of a physical server. Now, do you actually ha ha see the power budget? Is that a line item in, in the IT budget or, or no? Um, I personally don't because I don't run the data center. I do the uh, the technical support. So the line item comes out of a, of, of a central pot. Um, 
so the the, the 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 money that BT pays to the electric company um, comes out of our, our out of our central budget um, on on a uh, on a on a monthly basis. Um, but I don't personally see it. Yeah. So our you know our research indicates that uh, about five percent of the, the the CIOs actually see the power budget, and I actually saw a Gartner data point, which you know must be correct which was around 3%, so sort of corroborated that, which is sort of interesting. Uh, I think a, you, you, get, you were up against the wall. A lot of customers aren't. You know, many are, but many aren't. And we sort of wonder if, in fact, they don't see the power budget, what's the motivation to, to actually do something about it? Well, it's interesting. That it's funny that um, when we talk about we're out of space and we're out of power, um, even before we did this piece of work, um, we could have gone into a number of our data centers and, and literally played football in there. Um, so there's plenty of space. But BT, uh, along with uh, other big companies in the UK, are very high, highly penalized for um, electric consumption. Um, and, BT, and, sorry, and the UK has trouble in generating electricity. Um, we are fairly self-sufficient in electricity generation, but we still do buy electricity from, uh, from France. So that's interesting that the French actually top up our national grid. So getting electricity uh, into the national grid is quite difficult. Uh, and then worse, um, getting electricity from um, the national grid um, into the data centres. You have to bear in mind that some of our data centres are in built-up residential areas, some are near central towns and metropolises. Um, and to get extra cables in would mean major disruption. So, for example, they'd have to dig the road up. Now, digging the road up in the UK it might, may sound a very small and trivial thing, but um, digging the road up in the UK is, is a very major thing. You know, we don't have the land space that the US has, for example. So running cables in or putting overhead pylons um, is not something that's done very easily. Um, and there's general disruption to the public, and then the public don't like us very much for doing it. So one of the ways of, uh, of utilising your data centres better is to clear out what you've got, still, gen still consume the same quantity of electric, uh, but use it for different things. Michael, a couple of questions, if I may. Sure. Um, you mentioned you have uh, data centers outside the UK with Windows servers. What are your plans? That's correct. What are your plans for those? Right, very, very good question. So our, our biggest sites, um, whilst we have them dotted around the uh, around the globe, our, our biggest sites are in um, uh, Reston uh, and um, um, Atlanta. Got two data centers there. Uh, one of those has already been done. That's already been virtualized. The other one hasn't. And we're looking to roll this project out into uh, Germany and Holland uh, in the coming months. So there's still work to be done on the uh, on the infrastructure that's uh, based outside of the UK as well. And what about your Unix servers? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, well, where do I start with Unix? Okay, so there's, a, there's God forbid, but there is another Michael Crater. There isn't really, but there is another person that does my function in Unix. Um, but to be honest with you, it's, we're all part of the same project. So I'll, I'll give you a very brief resume on what we've done in Unix. Uh, Unix is a completely different kettle of fish. Um, there, isn't really a, there isn't really a tool to convert uh, Unix servers into, um, into a hypervisor environment. It just doesn't really exist. Some have got a product called uh, S8MA, which uh, looks at uh, Solaris 8. Um, but effectively, what we're doing in the Unix world is we're building brand, or we have built brand new Solaris 10 infrastructure with container files, and we're taking existing applications, upgrading the OS from Solaris 2.6, 8, and 9, 
making sure the application integrates properly with Solaris 10, and then running them under Solaris 10 container files. But it's not quick, and it's not easy, and it's very expensive to do. And what kind of storage are you using for that? Um, that's a good question. We're using a mixture. We're using uh, both NetApps and HP XP12000s and XP24000s. And are you getting the consolidation benefits there? Consolidation benefits are good, but they're not as good as uh, Windows. So there are um, there are some good ratios. So some of the low-end Unix servers, especially in the sunny state, um, things like um, 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 Sun 210s, 240s, etc., consolidate very well into the uh, T2000 or the 5220 as they are now. We're getting uh, around about a 10 to 1 consolidation. Um, and of course, we can get 10 servers in a rack, which is good. We can get 10 physical um, <coughs> T2000 or, or T5200 into a rack, 5220s sorry, into a rack, um, for around about 400 watts per server. And then we can get a 10 to 1 consolidation. So each rack holds effectively 100 um, old Unix servers. So good, but not as good as um, VMware running um, uh, in the internet world. Any um, advice in terms of do's and don'ts? <laughs> or got uh, Certainly. Watch outs or? Watch outs, right. The, the biggest problem with this is, is not technical. The biggest problem is the business itself is, is actually going away and doing this. Um, a lot of people, um, we have what's called lines of business. So we have um, different parts of BT in hist historically did their own computing. They're actually getting people to give up their physical server and convert it to a virtual server has, has proved to be very interesting and difficult at times. People take the view that it's their personal server. And then people will say to me, but if you virtualize it, how do I get more memory? How do I get more CPU? How, how does an engineer come into the data center and actually do that? And it's actually a, a mindset change that people don't have to worry about putting DIM modules or CPU modules into a box or allocating more physical storage onto the back of a SCSI array. We can do it all remotely. Um, but getting that information over and actually presenting that to, uh, to an audience and trying to make them understand it, very, very difficult. And that, that's been the biggest issue. So my, my biggest piece of advice to you there is make sure you get your business buy-in at quite senior levels. Uh, and the second piece of advice I'll give you is um, prove it all in your test and development environment first exactly what I did. I, I converted something like 350 test and development machines first. So I had a story. If I'd have tried to convert and uh, virtualize the production estate without proving that I'd done it somewhere else first, I'd have had no business buying at all. So it was very refreshing that when I had um, 350 plus servers running virtually, um, when I went to the finance people and said, I need some money to do this, please. And they said, you know, can you prove you've done it before? And I could say, yes, here it is. Um, getting the money was quite an easy thing to do. Michael, just uh, Michael, a this question. Is, uh, David Fyatt. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, hold on, David. There's, there's another question. Yeah, Michael. Earlier, you referred to uh, your servers that you virtualized as infrastructure servers. Were, were there particular roles that you found that were uh, particularly well suited to consolidation? Certainly, versus, uh, and, and some that weren't. So I'm quite happy yeah. to discuss that. So the ones that absolutely virtualize really, 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 really easily are web servers. Absolutely no issue with those at all. And we've got over 900 of those virtualized. Um, SQL, that goes quite well. That's no particular issue. Um, and Oracle servers, providing not very heavy hitters, um, that goes well. Works a lot better under ESX3 uh, because you can allocate four CPUs and, and more memory. So we've got rid of a lot of our problems from um, 
um, um, that we had with ESX2 with uh, performance issues. We're going to ESX3 with Oracle um, seems to solve a lot of our problems there. Um, but things that don't work, obviously you can't virtualize physical infrastructure such as servers with fax machines or, or ISDN lines or modem lines or specific backups. You can't do that. And the, the biggest thing that we can't virtualize, uh, which is the biggest nuisance if you ask me, is that we can't virtualize heavy hitting Citrix boxes. It, it just doesn't work. It works, but it's just very slow. Uh, can I ask, if, if, and if you're not comfortable stating, that's fine, no. but who asked that question? Uh, this is BJ. Thank you. Okay. Um, um, Mike, it's um, James Rogers calling. I'm a journalist from com in New York. Hello there. Um, hi there. How are you doing? Um, Good. I just wanted to get a bit more um, kind of context on some of the storage stuff that you've done. Because um, you said that you you went from EMC to NetApp and that you now have um, five SANs. Kind of how that's much right. Data, how much data did you have to begin with and how much data do you have now? Oh, so that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I'm quite happy to answer that. Um, each, each one of our SANs is uh, 40 terabytes, so we've got 200 terabytes on the ground. That's for primary storage, and there's 300 terabytes of secondary storage. So each site's got around about, um, around about 60 terabytes of, um, of secondary storage, so we can hold uh, quite a number of snapshots, and uh, um, we, got, we go back quite a fair way. We actually, keep, uh, we actually advertise 90 days retention data, but we actually keep 180 on the ground. So um, yeah, there's, there's around about 200 terabytes of uh, primary and 300 ter and uh, 300 terabytes of secondary storage. Okay, cool. Obviously, so the primary is NetApp. What what, what do you use for the secondary? Uh, NetApp as well. Okay. Yeah, we use their um, primary uh, disks. We use their 300 gigabyte uh, 15k disks, and for backup, we use their 750 uh, gigabyte um, uh, uh, SATA disks. Okay, excellent. And the um, how much data did you have? Did you have to begin with? I mean, your your, your previous infrastructure, I believe, was EMC, and it was primarily direct attached. Is that right? Yeah, we had uh, a very small amount of EMC. We had one small stand which had around about six terabytes on it. It wasn't big at all. Um, so the majority of the storage, in fact, the vast majority of the storage, was all local attached. Right. Um, and it was very difficult. I, to be honest with you, I didn't know how much storage to put on the ground from day one, and my very first purchase was just 20 terabytes per site but I doubled it as as the project rolled on I realized I needed more storage so I, I doubled the storage okay and we that, that amount of data, the the opportunities for improvement were enormous I would imagine most customers aren't going to going to see similar benefits only because they've done a lot more consolidation than, than you have you think that's a fair statement or? um yes I, I suppose it all depends how efficient your DAS is I mean our, our DAS was very inefficient um, any, any of the, uh, say, any of the web servers had probably less than 15% of the actual DAS capability utilised. Some of the big, heavy-hitting Oracle and SQL servers with external SCSI arrays um, were quite well utilised, but generally mm -hmm. speaking, uh, a lot of it was just wasted. That's right. And when you said there was local attached earlier, what was that specifically? Was it um, internal? Uh, mainly Compaq, Compaq and HP storage. Okay, excellent. We, we are a we are a big HP. Um, server shop, to be honest. There was a little bit of Dell out there as well, but but very little. But mainly our infrastructure servers, application type servers, were all um, were all Compaq or, or HP, Excellent. which is effectively the same thing now anyway. Okay, superb. And so that went from from from, from Compaq and HP and a little bit of EMC sound over to over to NetApp. Yeah, that's Large right. 
Okay, cool. And the, what, what, what was the time frame for this project, both the, the, the server? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to answer that one. The, the actual project started uh, on the 28th of April 2006, and it's more or less finished now. I mean, I, I'm, we're, we're just doing very, very small back-end transfers. We're, we're, we've more or less done. So it took about two years. And you said that was an eight-month payback, but am I correct that that yes. excluded the power savings, right? That excluded the power savings, yes. We never, ever calculated those into the business case. <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> I mean, well, to be honest yeah. with you, it only struck me about, as I say, about a week, maybe a month after, uh, after we started, and I walked into one of the data centers after we'd been rolling for a month to find that all the Windows servers that were in one particular location were gone, and it was a lot quieter where I was standing. I could actually hear myself think. And I thought to myself, you know, if all these boxes have gone out, what's happened to all the electric? And that's when I started to calculate the electric savings. You know, I might, I it might sound blindingly obvious, but I just didn't think about it at the time. Right, absolutely. So I wonder if I could ask a, a, a totally different question. On, and it gets to the root cause of, of power consumption. Just sort of at storage networking world last week, you saw a lot of talk about technology, be it virtualization or thin provisioning or data deduplication, et cetera. And it's just it's, it strikes me that sort of the root cause a lot of, of a lot of this data growth is just just information management practices. And and I wonder if you could talk about whether or not you're doing anything there with regard to uh, really addressing that piece of it, the classification, the migration. Ah, what you mean like tiered storage? Yeah, you talking sure. about tiered storage? Yes, yes, we are. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about um, our storage um, procedures. Um, so. What we do is we tend to look at, we've got uh, really, I suppose, three tiers of storage. You've got uh, fiber channel, which is at the top end, uh, what I call your Formula One racing car type storage. Um, then you've got um, iSCSI, uh, which is sort of like mid-tier storage, which is, uh, if you like, a, a BMW type M3 car. And I suppose at the far end and the bottom end, um, you've got your NAS and your SIFs. Um, which isn't um, isn't poor storage, but it, it's it's uh, obviously file-based storage as opposed to block-based storage. And then, if you look, uh, if you you could actually go down to one classification lower to a four-tier storage model, uh, where you do disk-to-disk -disk backup, and uh, that's type SATA type array uh, for, for for backups of, uh, of of your primary storage. Um, what we're starting to offer now is our, to our customers is uh, is effectively three levels of service, and you have tier one, which is your your fiber channel, very very fast. Uh, and there's a there's a there's a cost to pay for doing that at a gigabyte level, and then similarly there's at uh, the mid tier which is uh, iSCSI based. Uh, again, it's uh, obviously um, uh, block based storage, but block based over IP, uh, which is slightly cheaper to implement. So therefore, we can pass some savings on. And then of course you've got NFS, which uh, which is uh, cheaper again. Um, and one could argue that it's not quite as fast as Fiber Channel or iSCSI. Uh, and, and they are the three types of tiering we do. And then, to be honest with you, at the fiber channel end, at the very, very, very high-end fiber channel, we've got two offerings. One is uh, X XP24000, which is um, um, your Formula One on, on, on turbocharge, which is your, uh, your high-end st uh, storage, things for like uh, billing engines and uh, real-time applications. And then you've got your, your NetApps, which is your mid-range stuff, which is uh, fiber channel for, for VMware and uh, other consolidation-type projects. So that, that, that's the way we've uh, classified our data. Okay, so, so that's sort of the physical infrastructure. Do you do anything to actually reach in and find the data that's not being used and either 
get it off of spinning disk, either spinning it down or getting rid of it, shredding it. I don't know if your compliance edicts allow you to do that. Yeah, um, um, we, we've just started to uh, take on a, a product called Storage Essentials uh, from HP. Uh, are you aware of that product? Yep. Yeah, and that sort of uh, looks at your, your sound infrastructure and the way I understand it. I, I haven't played with it myself, but the way I understand it, it, uh, it looks at classifications of data and makes recommendations where you can move things from and to. Excellent. Um, David Floyer, uh, I cut you off before, but uh, you yeah, had a few I, questions. Th thanks very much, uh, Michael, and it's great to hear this. I, I'm very interested in, in how you persuaded people to, to take this virtualization. You, you <laughs> presented the problem um, of, uh, of um, uh, that they didn't want to accept it. Sure. How, how did you uh, manage the carrots and sticks to, to, to bring them over? Okay, it's a, that's a fantastic question. So I started off, I suppose, really with a, with a, with a fist in a velvet glove, um, and it didn't work. That, that approach simply didn't work. So we, um, I, I had a change of heart one day. There's a long story associated with this, but I had a change of heart one day, and I decided that I was going to take a very different approach to the, uh, the way we actually engaged our customers. So when I first started, um, we used to write them very sweet notes saying, um, we're sort of in your area and we'd like to virtualize your servers. Could you tell us if we could uh, do that, please? And they wrote back and said, no, you can't. And um, I sort of swallowed that for a little while. I swallowed that for a whole month. And at the end of our first month, um, this is a true story, this, we only actually virtualized four servers. And uh, my manager was, uh, was not very pleased with me. And um, he and I had a little chat about that, and he told me that I needed to find a different way of, uh, of doing this. Uh, and the way I actually did it was, um, what I did was I put infrastructure into uh, into five sites, so we had infrastructure up and running, and then I highlighted all the servers that were in each of those sites, and we wrote a letter to every one of the customers saying, on this date, for example, let's just I'm just going to give you a date of let's say the third of May, um, we have identified that you have three servers in this particular application X Y Z. Um, and we are going to virtualize your servers. Not, not can we, we are going to virtualize your servers. If that date doesn't work for you, can you let us know? If, it, if you don't respond to this email, we will just raise the internal change controls and we will migrate the server for you. And that worked extremely well. There were lots and lots and lots of people who objected, but there were lots and lots and lots of people who said, yes, go ahead and do it. Okay, and then... Uh Presumably, that uh, you were able to use the success on on those. So I think I, I think I used the phrase before. You've got to have a story. So it's right. like you know who wants to be first, and uh, you know if, if it looks something that's very attractive, um, and, and somebody wants to do it, then um, then that's great. So you know somebody had to be the first person to buy a color television. Somebody had to be the first person to drive an automobile. Somebody had to be the first person to do all sorts of different things, um, and it's a bit like. You know, follow him, he, he's done it before. But you need to have a story. So when we first started in production, we had no story. We had we couldn't say, oh, but Fred's done it and Jim's done it and Bob's done it. We, we couldn't say that because it wasn't true. It was only when after the first, I say the first month, we only actually did four servers. At the end of the second month, we'd done 70 servers. At the end of the third month, we had 200 servers. So now suddenly, in a space of three months, we had we had a story to go back, and then the letter we wrote out changed every 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 time. We updated it once every few weeks. We say, you know, we've now got 200 virtual servers running. We'd like you to join our our virtual environment, please. But you had a story, and then people could say, well, 
have you got any running anywhere else? And we say, yes, we have. We've got 200 running now. And then that sort of reassures people. The other thing, of course, is you know we, we held a few workshops. We held some uh, customer forums. Uh, we went to very senior people in the business. Uh, we sat down and we demonstrated VMware to them. We could show them vMotion working. We showed them the benefits they would get from being in a virtual environment, such as flexing up and flexing down capacity. I remember one senior manager I went to, appointed, or he pointed out that he had a, uh, you know, a plethora of uh, servers with one CPU, and I actually got him to log on to the virtual center and actually allocate himself a, 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 an extra CPU and then reboot the box, and he had two CPUs. Well, he was bought in then. He didn't have to go anywhere. He did it all from the, all, all from the luxury of his own office. So these are the types of things that you can do. Right. You, you need to have a story. You need to be able to demonstrate what you're right. talking about. So, Michael, you had, you had made a well. statement uh, earlier when we talked, uh, and I wanted to just share it with the audience here and, and get your feedback and, and help us understand you know, how you did this and what you mean by it. You said it's crucial that BT avoided implementing tomorrow's legacy today. <laughs> yes, I've said that. That is true. Which, so oh. talk to us about what you mean by that and how you avoided that. Okay, um, I think, um, again, I don't think this is a particular state secret, but, but BT had, have always done things in a particular way. Uh, I don't want to come over as being a maverick, but I do like to implement change. I like to do things differently. I like to look for, I like to be innovative. <clears throat> and it, it was blindingly obvious to me when I first kicked this project off that the majority of the hardware that was deployed in our data centers was either over-deployed because it was just too good a server for the, for the service required. Um, it was either um, grossly underutilized, which is, uh, as we spoke before, you know, capacity was there but just not used. Um, or it was designed, or, or there was a series of designers that all had their own different ways. So we had, we had lots of different servers performing different functions, but all in the same group. And let me explain. For example, why would you deploy a, a top-end DL585 to be a web server when a DL360 could do the same job? And we found loads of DL580s and 585s doing web services. It's just a chronic waste. So I thought to myself, what I need to do is have a standard set of infrastructure, absolutely and ruthlessly standard. And everything we deploy will be tomorrow's future, not tomorrow's legacy. So I built uh, a test infrastructure, and I proved the test infrastructure. Uh, it was based around, at the time, BL45s. It had standard SAND storage on it. It had standard um, network configuration. It had standard switches. The cables were the same length. The cables were the same color. You can walk into any one of our data centers and immediately find our VMware farm because it looks exactly the same as any other of our data centers. But it all looks the same. It was all running the same patch level. It was all running the same software. And I've been absolutely ruthless. If there's been an upgrade to do, Everything gets the upgrade. Uh, now, earlier I gave a little plug, and I, and I want to make sure that in the in the time we have remaining that we just get this in. Can you talk about the energy award that you guys won and just give a little commercial for, for BT? Wow, well, yes, I, w I wasn't expecting that question, but I'd be very happy to do so. Um, there was a, a, a European uh, a, a award held um, for, for major companies inside uh, the whole of the European Union uh, for companies that have demonstrated corporate and social responsibility in terms of uh, saving power, um, stop belching CO2 in the atmosphere, stop belching heat out of our data centers into the atmosphere, um, helping with the global warming situation that we find ourselves in, um, and, and just being generally energy efficient. Uh, and there was an extremely large award held at a major hotel in the UK, uh, in the center of London. 
and there were something like 40 or 50 major companies uh, around Europe, you know, companies as big as IBM, HP, Sun, BT, the gas companies, the electric companies, all these type of companies from uh, from around Europe were invited to participate with their uh, case studies. Uh, and BT, uh, there was about five, I think there was five awards, um, um, the uh, Chief CEO Award, there was a green award for electricity consumption. There was a green award for heat, um, for heat output, etc. And those were the three that we won. BT actually won three of those five uh, awards um, purely at, uh, attained to my, my project. Now, of course, my CEO took the, uh, the plaudits and he took the award. But uh, nevertheless, I, I know deep in my heart is that uh, I, did, I ran the project. It was uh, my innovation that did it. But nevertheless, um, BT as a, as a company managed to scoop three of those awards. That's outstanding. Congratulations. I just want to let people know, if you're interested in more information here, you can go to landsdown.com slash green. It's L-A-N-S-D-O-W-N dot com slash green. And we'll probably post that URL in, in one of our follow-up documents. And uh, so, again, congratulations on that, Michael. Thank you. Michael, Michael this is BJ again. Okay. Uh, BJ again? just wanted to ask one follow-up question. Uh, regarding the, the storage that you talked about earlier, how would you quantify, I guess, the, uh, the gains in efficiency, either from a, a metric standpoint in terms of a terabyte per administrator ratio or other things that have, uh, that have happened in the storage environment as a result of the implementation of these SANs? That's a fantastic question. Now, some of it is, is not quantifiable in terms of pound, shillings, and pence. So if you spoke to your chief finance officer, some of it you can't really quantify. Let me explain. How, how, do, you, how do you explain the benefits of centralized stand storage as opposed to direct attached storage? Uh, if you were sitting in front of your CFO uh, and you said to him, well, I don't need to send somebody to one of our data centers to put some more storage in, um, he wouldn't understand that. How, how do you explain to your CFO that your backups that were taking 96 hours and you were loading loads of tapes um, and now you can do use snap technology and you can do it in 30 minutes? He probably couldn't care less. So one of the ways that um, you do um, quantify this is by saying the following. First of all, I know that um, we, had, uh, we had eight people at our eight-day centers loading tapes. Uh, those people no longer work for BT. Okay, so they, we had some uh, agency staff, makes me sound very harsh here, but we had some agency staff literally loading tapes, putting them into cartridges, making sure the tapes went off to the fire safe. That doesn't happen anymore. So that, that's eight people gone. So that you can quantify um, in terms of, uh, in, in terms of your, your chief finance officer. In terms of um, efficiency, um, we have more complaints, or we had, let me rephrase that, we had more complaints about systems that weren't being backed up uh, we failed various Gartner events. Uh, you know, Gartner uh, came in and um, you know look around our systems as, as, as they're invited to do. Uh, we had audits that we failed. Uh, we have uh, complaints to the BT board at the fact that uh, you know the, the data center operations people can't back the data up. Those problems have all gone. We we, we now get letters of, of of compliments instead of letters of complaint. So whereas customers couldn't couldn't get their data backed up and they couldn't get it restored, that problem's gone away. Uh, and I suppose finally, you know, if, if you think about it logically, uh, one thing you can explain to your, your chief finance officer um, is that uh, if you've got a magnetic tape and you have to load that into a tape drive and you have to, uh, you have to write to it and then you have to take it to a fire safe um, and then you have to, um, uh, then if, if there's a disaster or you need to recover data through either corruption or, or through some kind of error or whatever, you then have to go to a fire safe 
get that tape out and load it. And that process takes 24 hours, whereas now if you hold it on disk to disk, you can get it back in about 15 minutes. That is a quantifiable um, uh, saving. Hey, Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Any, um, were you able to eliminate or redeploy any other people? And how much your software cost? <laughs> okay, two questions there. So redeployment of people and software costs. Okay, so redeployment of people. Um, one of the things that virtualization has also stopped us doing is physically going to site and building servers. So we no longer have servers sent to site and, and engineers, our own engineers, driving up motorways and freeways and highways, uh, building servers with screwdrivers, etc. That problem's gone. So I had a team of 13 people that used to drive up and down the motorway, loading up uh, servers. Those people have been redeployed and retrained into ESX, how to use virtual server. Yeah, all, all, all clever and new technology, um, you know, increasing their value to the business. So the, the technical people have been redeployed. The, the people that did um, tape loadings, unfortunately, uh, their role was no longer required. Um, in terms of software costs, um, commercially, I, I can't discuss software costs. That would be unfair to BT. Um, what I will say is, though, in terms of um, the, license, the Microsoft license, whether it's virtual or it's physical, you still have to have a license. That makes no difference. Um, where we have saved hugely, and again, I can't give you actual numbers, but you can work it out yourself, where, where I had 3,000-odd servers that we were paying maintenance contracts on, we now pay maintenance contracts on 134 blades. So the, the, the server maintenance alone has saved us, well, lots of money. Mm -hmm. Lots and lots and lots of money. Okay, thanks. All right, good. Well, we're getting toward the end, the point where we have to wrap. Any other burning questions or comments that people have? Let me just open it up for one last round here. Hi. Actually, I, I have a question. Um, it's about uh, when, when you're doing application consolidation, like 10 applications onto one server, um, yes. certainly um, are talking about uh, single point of failure for 10 applications. So in yes. terms of backup, and um, you, have you done anything uh, specific to kind of increase the reliability or the uptime of the 10 applications in terms of a, in terms of a backup solution, or you still go with the one-to-one one -one solution? Okay, I, I think I understand your question. Let, let me answer the question how, how I think you want it answered. So what we do yeah. is where you have, um, where you have 10, um, 10, ser 10, 10 servers with 10 apps on them, uh, let's right. pretend it's one application, but you've got 10 servers in that application. Is that the question you've got? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, what it's, it's, it's something like if you have a VMware box, let's assume you have a blade center, and you have yes. 10 applications loaded on it. So yes. How do you provide the same reliability? Because you now have a single point of failure for all the... Oh, I see. Right. I, I understand. Okay. So um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of hardware failures, I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. Uh, out of the 134 machines we've had running for two years, we've only had one hardware failure. That only one blade failed once. Okay, now maybe we're very lucky, or, or maybe the HP blades are very good. I'd like to think that uh, I think it's a combination of both, really. Um, but when a, when, a, when a blade does fail, or in that particular instance, when a bl our blade did fail, uh, we actually lost 20, 20 apps. Uh, but because the servers were held on, on a SAN, it was very easy to start them up again and re restart them up on, um, on, on blades that were in the existing farms until that, that blade was fixed, and then we could uh, V-motion the servers around again. But I do accept you're absolutely correct um, that if you don't have high availability or clustering installed into your uh, environment, um, you do have a single point of failure. You're absolutely correct. Um, 
But my experience has shown, uh, and I say maybe I'm lucky, or maybe we've just got a very good batch of blades. Uh, the, these blades do tend to run and run and run, and we haven't had any problems with them. But it's Mike, not something that I'm over-concerned about. Mike, would you... Um, are, you are you interested in... Have you done anything or, specific? Sorry, two, two, two people talking there. That's okay. Like no, I'm just saying that... Did you, do, did you make any specific uh, changes to the infrastructure in terms of the backup uh, design? In terms of the backup design... Uh, absolutely, because we were client-based backups to uh, to tape robots. We were using uh, net backup and NDMP backups. Uh, now we use disk-to-disk -disk technology, so we use SNAP. I mean, one of the other things that we saved, and we, we again, never even thought about it for the business case. Obviously, now we, we calculate the savings. Uh, but every time we shut a server down and, and virtualize it and put it on this new infrastructure, you can take a net backup license out of our uh, out of our maintenance contract. And that saves a lot of money each year. I apologize for interrupting here, but unfortunately we have to wrap. Let me ask anybody who has any other questions, please email me at david.vellante at wikibon.org, and I'll see if I can't uh, bother Michael some more to get a response, and if we can, we will. Uh, so before I summarize, uh, I want to let everybody know that, that Wikibon is an alpha testing of its new website. It looks great, and we're going to go to beta shortly, and we're going to ask many of you to participate. So if you're interested in getting an advanced preview, drop me a note. Uh, also, next month, Wikibon is going to be at EMC World in Las Vegas, and we'll be there in force. So if you're going to be attending, sh shoot me a note. We'd love to connect, especially with other Wikibon members and, and end customers. Drop me a line, and we'll meet and buy you a drink. Um, okay, let's summarize. So first, thanks very much indeed to Michael Crater for leading the call today and, and Michael, sharing your experiences and perspectives uh, with your peers. We really appreciate it. Pleasure. Um, I also want to thank those who contributed today, uh, Nick Allen, uh, David Floyer, James Rogers, uh, BJ, and who was the other gentleman that asked the last question around backup? Um, that's Sukesh Garg. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate your participation. So what are we going to call this thing? We have uh, BT's power shift to VMware consolidation. Anybody else want to improve on that? Any takers for a Wikibon golf shirt? Huh? You guys okay with that? Huh. Okay. BT's power shift to VMware consolidation. All right. David, you know, maybe a little more focus on the awards that they got for doing it. Okay. What do you think, Nick? BT's award-winning power shift or something. <laughs> yeah, award-winning, that sounds good. European award-winning. I could be a world-winner, couldn't it? Okay, Dave, you know, a lot of the initiatives are kind of light green initiatives with very small net savings. This is a dark green initiative. Maybe it's from light green to dark green, BT's way. Okay, so maybe something like BT's award-winning shift from light green? No, from red hot dark to dark green. green. Other way around, right? From dark green to light green. Say red hot, dark green. This is an extremely green initiative that they did, and, and you know most of the initiatives that we've seen have been, you know, small steps, frankly, to save a little bit here or there. But this is a massive overhaul. I think it's a light green to dark green transformation by BT here. Isn't it the other way around? Right, started with the money and then ended up with the award. Is that is that the right sequence? BT's award-winning shift from dark green to light green. Am I getting that right? Or? Well, you're putting green on the money. I'm putting it on how green the data center is. How about BT's award-winning shift dark green? 
or with dark green? BT's award-winning shift with dark green. Okay. Let's go with that, and then uh, we want to change it, we can. All right, so this is uh, Dave Vellante. Today is March 18, 2008, and this is the Wikibon Peer Insight Storage Research Meeting. And the title of the piece is BT's Award-Winning Shift with Dark Green. So I'm going to take a little different tack today. Um, in anticipation of our new website, we're going to make the summary more conversational. We'll still write this up on the site. But today we had Michael Crater, the head of Windows Consolidation at BT, uh, present on a project that BT initiated around Windows consolidation and VMware and storage virtualization. Uh, two years ago, BT had a, had a big problem. Its data centers were at capacity for power and cooling, and the company was, was out of space. As an aside, BT used 0.7 of 1% of the UK's electricity consumption. Um, and the utilization of storage and servers was in the teens, uh, and, and SLAs were not being met. Uh, needless to say, clients were not happy. So the company embarked on an ambitious project to consolidate several thousand Windows servers, and they had a number of business objectives there that related to uh, reducing operational costs, uh, improving operational efficiency, and responding more quickly to the business with a capacity-on-demand model. Uh, specifically, the project's objectives involved consolidating over 3,000 Wintel servers and in an attempt to achieve a consolidation ratio of 15 to 1. And, and to migrate to an allocated on-demand infrastructure. In the words of Michael Crater, uh, I, it was crucial that BT avoided implementing tomorrow's legacy today. Uh, the storage imperative uh, was interesting. BT had a little bit of everything prior to the project and, and a lot of DAS, where each application apparently required its own server and each server accessed storage essentially designed to support individual applications. Uh, to leverage virtualization, BT, we heard uh, centralized storage and synchronized storage and server virtualization, which enabled the company to fully exploit a virtualized server infrastructure and properly support backups, which it, it re-architected and essentially eliminated tape. Uh, the firm chose NetApp for a number of reasons, including thin provisioning was easy, uh, and allowed for unification of, of NFS and, and iSCSI and FC. Um, and as well, the utilization of SNAP technologies allowed BT to uh, eliminate tape and, and presumably replicate across a WAN and also utilize, uh, 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 BT utilizes a centralized managed service. The benefits of this were uh, astounding. Uh, BT had observed that on average, each time it shut off a server, it saved 700 watts of power and in total saved about uh, 2.4 million in annual energy costs, that's millions of dollars, and cut hardware required in half and increased storage utilization up over 70%. And it also reduced server maintenance costs by 90%. And the bottom line financially was a project that started in April of 06, paid back by Christmas. So the before and after looks something like this. 3,100 servers down to 134, 700 racks at eight sites down to 40 at five sites, 2.1 megawatts of power consumed down to 0.24 megawatts, over 9,000 network ports down to 840, backup from 96 hours 
to a full daily in 30 minutes, and approximately 20% storage utilization to 70% plus. And servers can now be deployed in one working day down from six weeks. Uh, let's see, BT also got rid of several, several thousand maintenance contracts or the value of, of, of maintenance contracts on 7,000 servers, I should say. 3,000. Say again? 3,000 servers. 3,000, right. And uh, some operators and tape loaders and redeployed some technical people to more value-added uh, uh, functions. And more <laughs> importantly, the firm disposed of, in an eco-friendly manner, over 200 tons of equipment. Uh, BT's advice to others, number one, get business buy-in. It's always crucial. Uh, a lot of people don't want to virtualize their box, but be prepared to sell this capability to the business based on on better responsiveness and, and lower cost to the firm. Second, virtualize your test and development applications first and build credibility as a, a pilot and use that street cred, if you will, to build a strong story in cell management. Um, remember, you can't virtualize everything, things like physical infrastructure, e.g. fax servers, and also heavy hitting uh, applications from a performance standpoint, uh, like certain Citrix applications, you're not going to be able to virtualize in all cases. And, uh, and I guess the bottom line here is be prepared to make some investments up front. You're going to have to build some new infrastructure to, to prepare to exploit the efficiencies that synchronizing virtualization can bring. Action item. Customers considering consolidation with VMware should synchronize server and storage virtualization to gain maximum efficiencies such as those demonstrated by BT. Stories such, stories such as BT's are compelling, particularly with regard to its award-winning green recognition in the European community. Users, however, should be vigilant to address the root causes of data growth and be prepared to classify, migrate, archive, and where possible shred inactive data. Don't just buy the hype, rather implement disciplined approaches information management that complement technology investments. So look for this summary up on Wikibon within the next couple of hours. By tomorrow morning, East Coast time, you'll see another four or five pieces around user implications. Thanks again to Michael Crater, and thanks everybody for attending today, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. See you soon.